And I think one of the worst things that I can hear a guy say is I'm okay. Because that usually means that I got all this stuff going on and I don't really think I can talk to you about it or I'm scared what you'll think about me if I tell you that these things are impacting me. And I think it's crushing mental health for people all over the place. And I don't think most people have the resiliency. They don't have the tools to actually navigate the challenges that are being put in front of them. This can't be it. There has to be more. Wait, am I crazy? No. If you're yearning for more and working hard to make your dreams a reality, then you're in the right place. Welcome to Dreamcatchers. It's the only show committed to helping you self-actualize and then transcend, leaving you with the legacy you've always desired. Listen in on conversations with successful philanthropists, entrepreneurs, and founders every week as we connect with them for inspiration, education, and direction. Your host, Jerome Myers, is here to help you exit the matrix and transform into a leader of your own revolution. The question is, do you believe your dreams should be real? Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Dreamcatchers podcast. I'm your host, Jerome, and we're going to do an unconventional episode today, ladies and gentlemen. We're going off script, and we're going to dive into relationships. I've got Cass Morrow with me today. And he has built a massive business helping save relationships, save marriages, and putting the leaders of the households, and I'm taking words, uh, he's never said this to me, putting leaders back in their proper place in the home. So with that, Cass, welcome to the show, man. Super excited to be able to hang out with you today and unpack one of the most important topics in, I think, society today. Well, thanks for having me on, Jerome. I couldn't agree more. You know, I think business is awesome, but without the relationship, man, most of us aren't really the success that we think we should be, you know? And so let's go there right now. Did you believe that you could build a big business without the relationship part? I feel like a lot of people try to skip that step and they kind of end up in a very unflattering or uncomfortable predicament as a result of it. I'll tell you something. I learned it along the way, you know? So with oh. the terrible relationships that I had, I owned a gym for 20 years. And I'll tell you when I did the best with it is when I had my partner and we were on board working together and, you know, feeling different with the level of support, adoration, et cetera. And we lost that with COVID. And then with everything that transpired, my wife was like, why aren't you doing this? You've been helping men for years now. Look what we've done with our marriage and we can get into my story if you want, but it was abusive talks, terrible. And now I'm teaching men because she inspired me to go do something bigger. And now I got her teaching women. And so we just keep supporting and supporting and supporting. We're not living in the fog journal. When you wear your heart on your sleeve, it hurts all this pain. You're making way less money if you don't have your relationship working, man. Let me tell you. So it's interesting that your wife brought this up and said, hey, you got a skill or talent ability that's valuable in the marketplace, but that's coming from a place of admiration. If I heard you correct, you guys didn't have the best relationship. So I guess let's go back. Like, how did you get into the place? Because I don't think anybody goes in and says, oh, I want to have a bad relationship. So how'd you get to the place of having a less than desirable relationship and then Let's talk about the transition that got you guys back to a solid place where she's encouraging you to go out and teach other people about relationshiping. 
Yeah, you bet. I'll make it brief because it's long, but you know, my parents paved the next two out decades of my life is how I put it. I left home only knowing abuse, emotional specifically, narcissistic father, selfish mother, daily fights, us getting in trouble and freaking out all the time. And so I just picked fights every day. I'm not kidding. I only knew anger. It didn't matter if it was at work. If I dated a girl, she got the worst of it. By the time I got to my wife, you know, she said, do you have an anger problem? And I literally believed, no, somebody else. I say, I would say, you know, I don't just call someone a name. They have to run their shopping cart into me. And then I call them a name. And I would be picking these fights with my wife, not even realizing that I was doing it because I only knew. And unfortunately, my wife got the brunt of it. By the time I'd been in so many painful relationships, you know, being cheated on and blaming them, you know, the fighting destroyed my house. I don't know how many times. By the time I got to my wife, I destroyed her. And I was emotionally, physically, sexually assaulting her. I'm a managing severe narcissist, so I had to deal with that, learn to cope. And yeah, just but along the way, I was like, so I had court mandated anger management, actually. And so like, I was on probation. I'd go to jail if I messed up. So I started to get things out of control, but basically replacing yelling with not yelling. Somewhere in there, Jerome, I was like, this is amazing. We're fighting every three days. And my wife looked at me and was like, that's not normal. And I was like, what are you talking about? Don't take this for me. This is amazing. I'm not fighting every day anymore. I'm not screaming every day, you know? And along the way, keep growing, keep growing, keep growing. And I realized what joy felt like. I realized what the love bomb didn't have to be a bomb, could just be the love. And we didn't have to go turn into this terrible, narcissistic, abusive asshole, really. And I just kept on building and building. And then get to my wife where she's in full adoration. Well, I was... Another journey, I teach a system called Motivate with Bowery's. And at some point I said to her, babe, like, I'm not that guy. So if you want to play with that guy, I'm out. And she got into her first course and she started learning. And I didn't do boundaries correct at that time, but it worked. And yeah, now we just were on fire. Right? Just, it's, it's the most incredible feeling on the planet, to be honest with you. Wow. So you set a boundary and that created the space for you guys to reconcile? Yeah, sort of. That was really like, I had come so far. If you talk to each of us, so if we're both on here, our timelines would be completely different, right? Okay. I think we're better for five and a half, six years because I'm noticing my growth along the way. And it was better. Then at some point she said, I'm, I'm just not attracted. I'm not in love and I'm settling. And it was really because she was still quote unquote, married to the old guy. Yeah. So yes, I set a boundary or a lay a boundary and, and I would never teach my men to do this now in this way, but it was literally, this isn't the life I'm going to live. I'm not going to go back to being angry because this feels too good. And all of these thoughts are going through my mind. So yes, when I did that, she was forced to look within. What have I been doing? I've been pushing him away. I've been an anchor, not a booster. And so she started her own growth journey. And the easiest way to explain it is people ask me, narcissism, how can you manage that? You know, how did you figure out what clicked the switch? Well, I recognized there was something wrong, mm -hmm. but I'm looking back knowing I'm a narcissist now, right? But along the way with these sorts of growth patterns in my life, she realized, wait a minute, he just doesn't understand what love is. He just doesn't understand what joy is. He just doesn't, what, so what can I do? And so the boundary, yeah, I got her to a position where she was ready to 
follow. But you see, most guys try to lay a boundary before their wife you could respect them. They haven't made any changes yet. They haven't done any growth yet. They're still pointing the finger. They're still blaming. I took responsibility for me and her. And you might say I had to because I was abusive. Well, she was pretty abusive too by the end of it. But she had that end of that time. She yeah. was quite disrespectful, quite rude. She's the one throwing shit, you know? So men get wrapped up in, I deserve this respect. Just take responsibility and you could change anything. You might not be the problem, but you are the solution. If you want to be. So take respect or take responsibility to earn respect. Let's go deeper on that because I think most people would say, well, respect should be given or it's not my fault. What do you say when you're working with folks and that's their position? I got to rewind them a little bit. So if you think about how we have kids and we tell them, don't cry, you know, don't be afraid. There's no monsters. Go to sleep. If you scream, I'm going to take away your toy, right? Our parents do it to us and we do it to our kids until you learn differently. What are you doing? You're teaching your kid you don't have feelings. You don't even know which feelings they are and how to express them. And so you carry this need to have your needs met or am I allowed to have needs? Now you blend in society's garbage and examples, right? You should just have your baggage cleaned up and you should. But listen, when you got together, you both met each other's needs. You're so beautiful. You're so intelligent. I'm dropping everything with my friends that want to see you. You're validating constantly. But here's what happens because you didn't learn how to communicate. You didn't have the skills. You don't understand your feelings. We defend ourselves by pointing the finger and blaming at our partner. So if you want respect, you got to understand that that validation and, and approval and love that you both fed each other, you started replacing with defensiveness, blame, potentially you got to contend. Where are you going to get any respect? So if you take responsibility for you, Jerome, just you. Who do you want to be? The person I am shouldn't yell. Why? Nobody's listening if I yell. Well, then I can say that no matter what she did, I caused that. Is it true? No, she should learn her shit too. But at the end of the day, am I going to lead her out of this mess? Or am I going to keep myself in this mess? So that's a special word, lead. I think there's a leadership void in most homes. And I think if we just apply that across society, there's a leadership void in society. Can we talk about leadership and maybe how you define it and it, the way you phrase it, am I going to lead her out of it? That insinuates a bunch of different things and I'd love to unpack it with you. Okay. Well, the first thing you need to understand is leadership is skewed nowadays. And, you know, there's the whole... Feminist movement, we don't need a man. A lot of women will come into my social media. I don't need a man to lead me. And sure, my wife doesn't need a man to lead her either. She could be deep in her masculine. She's the first to admit it. But on a whole, in general, women want to be led, right? They want things like a partner at home. Meaning, here's an example of leadership that most men can relate to. She's taken on the role of what we're having for dinner because he's working, right? This is fairly typical, especially when there's kids and you decide this together, but now she's leading the household, planning the dates, planning the meals, what's going on with the kids, what are we doing for holidays? So she's leading everything. In a partnership that my wife and I would create, in what we call the new marriage is like, you're both going to have strengths and weaknesses. My wife still loves to plan the dates and the parties, even her old birthday party. She just, she just loves it, right? But what we can do as a man is we can understand 
the first thing that we're responsible for in our home to lead is the atmosphere. Why are we taking it personal if she's having a bad day? Why are you afraid to go home worried if she's going to be upset? Why don't you provide structure for the atmosphere, the environment, the direction you want the night to go, the marriage to go? If she's not doing it, why are you waiting for her? Are you happy? Because if you're just going to blame her, leave. Now, I don't condone that, but own it. Lead her with the atmosphere. You're getting rejected, conversations, sex. Okay, well, if you didn't show up with leading with the energy and the atmosphere, your her mood's affecting you. Well, then why would she want to have a conversation with you? Why would she want to flirt with you? Why would she want to cuddle or hold your hand? Why would she want to have sex? Like, lead her. How do you get to a place where she wants to follow, though? You have to be consistent. I mean, integrity. I mean, the examples you can come up with, man. Like, yeah, I'll get to know. Oh, I didn't have time. I had my meeting go late, you know? Or let's use that. Guys work hard. I'm sure on your listeners, for sure, they're working hard, right? They think that's what they have to do. You do have to work hard. Don't get me wrong. But then when you're not letting your wife feel like a priority, you forget the milk. You do this with the kids. You plan the meals. You know, some women are even working more than they're making more money than the men nowadays, you know, and then they're still going home and providing the leadership at home and running the kids. And if she feels like she's looking down at you, if she feels like she's your mom, your maid, I don't care how much money you make, by the way, I don't care what's fair, I care what works. You know, I make way more money than my wife, but I definitely contribute more than most men. I'm involved, right? So if you're not consistently showing up, she's not a priority. Or if you're getting in these fights and she's not safe, why would anybody follow you, right? Most guys, I think they run away from patience. You know, let's say you're five years in and it's not going to take five years to fix it, but you gotta understand it's not gonna be fixed overnight. You showed up for a few weeks and you didn't yell for a few times, put the bottle down for a little bit or whatever your thing is. You used to expect her to respect you. It's like, what, what are you talking about, man? If you're defending yourself, you're not protecting your wife. Why is she going to follow you? If you're defending yourself, you're not protecting your wife. Yep. Your wife's not your marriage, not your family, not your future. Protecting you. Why is she going to follow you? Now, I'm not so saying you should be though. But you have to go through the steps to undo the damage, you know? Ooh. So that's really interesting you can't protect yourself and protect the ones you say you love at the same time you got to let the wall down i believe so if you walk the wall down lead right like the, on the flip side though if you know we inspire for a while I, I say that's when you're learning then we lead she might not follow you can't control her so then what do you do well you're gonna have to invite her along well, i'm not the same guy anymore whatever your thing is and then you might have to motivate with a boundary because you can't be a doormat either. And that might get you the respect you need. But problem is most people will go back to defending themselves, even when they're trying to do that. I'll, I'll give you an example. I have a guy, man, he thought his marriage was perfect. And you know, it's just this intimacy thing we're missing and he wants to lay a boundary. And I'm like, in the thought process of what you want to deliver to her, you're trying to say to her that she's blaming you for only wanting to have sex. You're defending yourself. How are you going to get what you want? She's just going to start blaming you more. Here's, it's attack, defend, attack, defend, you know? So how do you break that cycle? You have to make a choice. What is it that you want, right? And that, I mean, that you could spend an hour on my social media and just look at the comments from, I would say, victim men, 
But it's not just men that are in pain. There are men that are hurting. They've been hurt by women. They've been hurt by, you know, maybe their parents, relationships in general, who knows? And if you don't believe me, think about in business, if you're like, well, so why are you where you want to be? Somebody asking, you know, why aren't you making seven figures yet? Oh yeah, my lead flow sucks. And you know, I'm just like, just bad, bad quality of leads. So is that you? Is that your lead or is that you? That's your copy probably, right? Maybe it's your sales. Can you not stop attacking? Because you know you want more. Business people do it all the time. But we also see people quit. And it's the same thing. If you want more, Jerome, you're going to have to make a choice to not do like everybody else. You're just going to have to make a choice. Not listen to the noise. The people saying you should quit, you should leave. They're doing it wrong. It doesn't matter if we're talking men or women. Right? And then you're going to have to follow through on it. I think that's the hardest part. It's the hardest part. If men don't talk to men. They don't. Not enough. Not the right kind of men. They're afraid. There's, you know? Just go have a good cry with a dude because you're on the same level. Most men are not having sex in their marriage. Most men are embarrassed because they yelled or want to do something different. Most men don't want to say, fine, let's get a divorce. Most men don't want to admit that, at least to themselves, let alone other men. So that's a, that's a really good first step, you know, get support from the real people. Yeah, this is really interesting because I've watched women and most of them problem solve in community they have wine and they talk it out or something of the sort right and guys they just like go pump iron or maybe they go for a drive by themselves or they go in the backyard and tinker with something or cut grass or do something physical right to i guess let the aggression or the stress out but there's not much processing of what's going on in their world and i think one of the worst things that I can hear a guy say is I'm okay because that usually means that I got all this stuff going on and I don't really think I can talk to you about it or I'm scared what you'll think about me if I tell you that these things are impacting me and I think it's crushing mental health for people all over the place and I don't think most people have the resiliency they don't have the tools to actually navigate the challenges that are being put in front of them and, you know, with the economy changing over the past few months, I think this is going to get amplified because most guys, I think they identify based on how much money they make. And, you know, if you take that pacifier away and they don't really have a way to soothe because they don't have the tools or the techniques, it can get really ugly. I think it's a scary, scary time for men. And it's been getting worse and things like the economy changing now are going to really amplify. You are not incorrect. The easiest way that I could explain getting away from this is simple. You just have to just take my word for it. Society's solutions to show up as a man or to fix your relationship, they don't work. So just own it right now. Being a provider doesn't mean that you're a great man. If your wife leaves you, you still have to make money. So it's normal shit. Stop building yourself up. Because if you can grasp that, you don't have to go through this mental, oh my gosh, I lost my job. I can't. And this is a guy who had a seven-figure gym who lost it during COVID and blamed the government until I was like, mm, I guess I could have been good at money, saving it, investing it. You know what I mean? I didn't have to lose my house with cars. You know what I mean? So just trust me. It's hard to wrap your head around because we've been told that makes you a man. Well, sure, it does make you more manly, but like at the end of the day, that doesn't define you as a man. You still have to make money with or without your wife, right? So then you can start to wrap your head around some of the other things. The protection thing we already covered. I'm a great guy. 
well, you're not a great guy if you have to tell somebody you're a great guy. That's just not how it works. <laughs> you should love me. You should want to have sense in me. I'm such a great guy. Then you're not. Like, that's not how it works. Then it wasn't a pickup line on your first date. Still not a pickup line when you married. It's just not. Right? And being a great dad, also have to do that if she leaves you. So if you can wrap her head around all of these things that you have been told make you a great man, instead, understand they're just baseline normal. Mm-hmm. Normal. Then you're not a failure. Now you can go to the tools that you're talking. Well, where can I get the tools? Well, get some help. People getting business coaches and personal trainers every day. They'll spend thousands and thousands of dollars, but it's relationships up there like, yeah, I think I'll spend yeah, 10 bucks. Look, yeah, you know, I'm not going to talk. I'll talk to my pastor, you know. Oh, therapy's paid for by work. Dude, you're going to get there really long, really long. You know what I mean? You need to, you need to just go get some tools, right? So, man, this is so good. Because I'm just thinking about the definition. Well, so let's get an operational definition. What does it actually mean to be a man? I think it's man, husband, father, leader in life. And all of that make you insert whatever term you want. You know, David Data said superior man. There's all kinds of different definitions that people use. I want men to start internalizing. Well, first thing, there's no such thing as toxic masculinity. There's toxic people. If you can wrap your head around the fact of who do I want to be, okay, then we don't have to have society's marriage with feminism and toxic males, okay? And what does it mean to be a man? If you just are true to who you are, do you have core values? You mm-hmm. certainly shouldn't think, I'm this big and alpha guy or whatever. Because again, the alpha doesn't have to say it. People just follow right? Yeah. Do that by following core values. Do you have daily principles? This is just like successful business. People that make it or don't, right? They know they have the routine. They do the boring stuff. And then with relationship, I would say that you'd have to add on the fonts because girls just want to have fun. If you know that you can be a great man. And the last thing I'll say is again, you do not have to tell anybody about it. You don't, <laughs> you don't have to say I'm awesome because you know what I mean? And I just want to stress that because I think it's so important because men are taught communication is key. Well, we all are, not just men, but communication is key. And, and you know, don't go to bed angry. Seriously, communication is key. But if you don't have the skills, you don't even have a lock. So stop playing around. You know, if you go to bed angry, you're going to save your marriage instead of saying all the stupid stuff you want to say all night long or your lecture, you know? So what does it mean to be a man? Think differently. Think like someone who can actually inspire because nobody's following. They feel like they're being dragged. Oh, nobody's following if they feel like they're being dragged. And this applies everywhere. This isn't just at home. You know, you touched on this and I was like, man, I should just let it go. But it's just me being vulnerable and open with the transparent with the audience. The one thing that I had to figure out is being a husband and being a dad were separate jobs. They're separate roles. And I thought it was something that just went hand in hand. And I watched so many women think being a wife and a mom is the same thing. And it's not. And I think that when people think that way, it leads to the detriment of so many relationships because they feel like because they're doing for the little people that the big person should just suck it up and get over it. But that just doesn't work. You still have to show up for that job too. A lot of people want to unlock their ultimate potential but lack the strategy, support, and stamina necessary to achieve their major goals. 
they often try to overcome these challenges by trying to do it on their own, causing frustration, fatigue, and eventually failure. We have developed a model for a center life, AKA the red pill, to help them bolster their beliefs, gain clarity on their path to success, and provide accountability as they take action on their goals. When they take the red pill, they rapidly accelerate attainment of their goals and begin to experience a life of significance and impact. Want to find out more? Hop over to JeromeMyers.co. Now, let's get back to the episode. Yeah. And that can be a challenge to navigate, you know, especially if you're already at, you know, each other's throats, let's say, you know, you guys are not getting along and now we disagree on how we parent or most of the time, like when I work with men, their wives are used to punishment, want their husbands to be a punisher, the disciplinary. There's lots of things that they need to change right now in the dynamic. If we want our kids to do things differently, but you do, you have to understand it's a breakdown. And if you want to simplify this, let's just go to leader in life for a second. Instead of man, husband, father, leader in life. Leader in life. Why does that make you more attractive? Well, because you're inspiring people with a message. So I'm disrupting divorce. It's a 30-year goal. My wife thinks that's fucked because it's going to change the world. You know what I mean? So yeah, if you're a great father, again, don't throw it in her face. Guilty was like that. A lot of guys are. And again, if you have to prove it, then you're not. You know what I mean? You're not showing up. You're doing it to give to get, right? And I'm not saying don't go make a million dollars. I'm not saying, you know, don't go, uh, you know, do a cause just because you love it. I'm just saying they're just things that make you an incredible man. Say, I don't know about you, but I want to be the best I can be. But I got to break it all down or else I'm doing it for the wrong reasons, right? So for the folks out there who are saying, well, what are the right reasons? Like, why should I do this? Because I'm selfish. I think humans inherently are selfish, right? They're looking to get something for the investments that they make. What's a good reason to do these things? I'm going to spin this to business because it'll be easier for every one of your listeners to understand. But you think about it like this, when you start giving more, when you understand that everybody inherently only cares about their own needs, me, you care about your own, my wife, your wife, everybody around us. And it's work to care more about others, to give gratitude, to, to give with no expectations of anything in return, because inherently, naturally, we all care about our own needs first, right? But you know this with abundance over-deliver in your business. You over-deliver, you outperform other businesses, you do better, right? There's the reason why I do five social media posts a day, why I do coaching call and I Feel myself coaching and put it out there for people who can't afford it. For example, they can watch it, at least see it. There's a reason why I've blown up in 20 months. It's because I give, right? And I think if you can understand that with business, now bring that to your marriage. It's working in business. Why are you doing it at home? Instead of saying, you need to give me what I need, right? Just Amen. give, give, and you get it back. I didn't make this stuff up, but you've heard the expressions like kill them with kindness, Joel. Yeah. So why are you staying with your wife? Yeah. By the way, she won't die. You might feel like you're dying because she's all over you all the time. It's awesome. You know what I mean? But you got to start her. Somebody's got to start her. If you're listening, you're the one who's interested. So get to work. 
So let's go back, man. You said basically that your parents were your example and you replicated what you saw in the home when you were growing up in your marriage and through all the, the relationships along the way. How did you realize that the example that you had, I don't want to call it wrong, but wasn't what you desired anymore? Well, I knew certain things, you know, I, you can tell how much your parents, well, if you're like me, I could count on one hand how many times my parents said, I love you or I'll drop you, you know? Oh, wow. And so, you know, coupled with all this screaming, all this, there's certain things that I just knew that I wanted to do different. But that gym that I owned, I was training a group fitness class and uh, a social worker I was training actually a few social workers. And I said to them one day, I have a son in another relationship and or from another relationship. And when I was training them, he'd be at the gym with me and, you know, every school I'd have the bottle this morning. I was bragging myself up, like how I'm better than my parents. And because I'm not abusive. Okay. I look back and there was definitely things I was doing wrong that could be considered abuse for sure with my son. You know, just even fear tactics to get him to, you know, listen, you know, whatever. And she said to me, she said, you know, it's 50 50. You're not special. Now, at the time, I took that so personal. Of course, I'm special. I'm choosing not to be like my parents. And so I didn't see. The abuse that I was giving them, the relationships that I had, my son, my clients, you know, and then I started to realize when I met Catherine, cause she said, your parents abused you. And I was like, what? No, oh, they didn't, boy. they didn't punch me. What are you talking about? They didn't hit me, you know, a few times. I'm not like the poor people that actually get physically abused all the time. And that was my first introductory lesson, but I didn't know it yet, which was, oh wait, abuse is more than just being hit. You know, and so it's just a combination of all these kinds of realizations, but then again, being forced into anger management, which by the way, did nothing for me, neither did 14 years of therapy. And so, but being forced in that situation allowed me to start connecting the dots. And then here's the kicker. And I don't know if this will scare your listeners or not, but I'll tell you a story. I threw a piece in, I want to throw a piece of gum up the window, but there's car. So I had it in my hand and my hand on the string on driver and Catherine goes, here, there's no cars out here. I'll throw it out the window. But what I heard was, you're fucking gross. Why are you holding that gum in your hand? And so she's at the stage where she's starting to realize this guy needs love. Okay. And not good out yet at all. Because <laughs> she's defending herself all the time, right? But the moment, she just wanted to give you love. She goes, baby, there's no cars out this window. I just wanted to get that out of your hand for you and help you. And I was like, you want to do what? And why'd you say, and I realized something there that was a big, big click for me. And it's all these men that I work with now, when I show them in my course, I show them how they, they can see what it's, you have your own reality, your own perception, and it stems from your childhood and all this crap. That's why I say, don't go to therapy, man. Literally learn from somebody who's got the tools because then you can get through this way faster. Cause I don't need to talk about licking toilets and all this crap to understand that I had protecting myself all these sabotaging methods instead of actually texting stuff with my marriage for, you know. Whoa, that was crazy. How did you respond to that? Because you heard something different than what, what she said and what her intention was. Well, she was able to, and I don't remember if it was in that moment or if it was later at home, but she was able to share other examples. So narcissism was just being really starting to be blowing up with the internet and social media, right? Narcissists can't change and gaslighting terms and things like that. So she, she had a few examples where she could say this, this is really 
you know, like since understood that this is really what's happening here. That's really nice. And I started to realize I was the one that was gaslighting. I didn't understand the term for years, but I had to get her to explain it to me over and over again, because you're still in your own reality. Right. And so now it's like so fast for me. like narcissists lie, really same with something called a nice guy. We lie. Now I'll be on a coaching call, for example, or be with my wife and I'll say something. I'll be like, oh, sorry, that's a lie. Hold on. at all. Really there. Right. But it's a turnaround time that I've had to work really hard on. You have to allow somebody who loves you to help you get through that. And that's going to be hardest part if you're listening and you're like, I want that because they might not be on board because you've hurt them a lot. And you don't have to be a narcissist, by the way. If you're the yeller, the screamer, if you shut down and hide from your responsibilities from who you're supposed to be, there's going to be hurt there. And you don't get to decide what that pain level is or that tolerance level is. It's their pain. So that's where your own responsibility starts to come in, you know, where you have to take it off for you. So, I mean, a recurring theme over the course of this episode for me has been accountability or responsibility. Is that the crux of everything? Like, is that the foundation? I think it's like it's foundation. It's my first level. And it's one of the things we talk about on my first level of my course, but I'm really careful because I think accountability, ownership, and responsibility, just like fad diets, man, they're getting thrown around, bastardized. People are, are really following through on it. Give you an example. People say, I take accountability for myself. I've taken responsibility. I'm doing everything I can. Okay. It's all the awesome. I've lost. I've lost. And then they'll throw out on my social media, talking to you over dinner, calling a friend, but my partner doesn't do this, 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 and this. Okay. So we have to be careful. It is ground level foundation, but almost always you're not committed to the solution. You're committed to yourself. So you go back to blaming your partner, which by the way, in case you're listening, that's narcissistic. You don't have to be a narcissist possessed with characteristics and traits to act on it, right? Because now you're saying you suck. I'm awesome. And so did you take accountability? I'm not saying that you have to put up with crap for the rest of your life. Cause again, we can't control a partner. Did you get through and try everything you can and then really feel comfortable looking in the mirror without contempt or defense? Say this isn't going to work for you. It's totally cool. I get it. Cause if you're growing at a different rate than your partner and they don't want to keep up different race, not a reason to quit. Not growing also is a problem. Maybe you are a great leader or maybe you have someone lazy, but if you're just calling them lazy, that's not really fair. Is it? It shouldn't matter. They just didn't check the boxes anymore. Own it. And that's the reason why I say, Hey, what I told Catherine, if, if the old guy was ruined everything, I can accept that. I'm just not that guy anymore. I'm just not hurt anymore. You can't, when you're not hurt, you're taking responsibility. So yes, it's foundational, but I really want to be clear. You probably suck at it. It's hard because it hurts, right? Nobody wants to feel the pain of not being good enough, you know? Yeah. So that day that she said that she wasn't attracted anymore and she wanted to move on and whatever transpired or led her to that spot, what did that do to you? Oh gosh, it broke, broke me. So when I say broken, it literally means that I went back to old behaviors, not trash in the house, not screaming at the top of my lungs, but a lot of blame, a lot of anger, saying things like you wasted my time, you know, and it broke me. 
But now I say it was also a blessing. It wasn't just a curse. Because what happened for me was it was another three-day anger binge. Okay. And then I clicked and I realized, wait a minute. Oh, because what had happened leading up to this, by the way, was I hit on her. She rejected and I said, oh, I want to use this thing. And then she sat me down gently and said, I'm not attracted, not love selling. And then it broke me. Three days later, it clicked and it was like, well, wait a minute. Like, she was so hot for me before. Like, five times a day hot for me before. Like, wanted to serve, wanted to be there, wanted to love, was into it. Like, if she's not motivated to fix our sex life, then she's not going to do anything about it. She's fine with no sex. She's saying she's happy to coast. And I later learned that she was afraid because what if I went back to my old ways, which I showed for three days, then she's what, going to leave our kids with me, this guy? Because remember, she didn't trust me at this time yet, right? And so partly why I say it be consistent. So it broke me, but it unleashed the opportunity for the most incredible growth journey where I just like went all in. Like finally went all in. And this is why I can understand accountability and responsibility and ownership differently than other people. And this is where I got to be so strong where I can say, you're not, this isn't going to work for me. Because when I came back to her in a different attitude, different mindset, not angry, but got through the hard conversation. Well, this isn't going to work for me. I'm not that guy. And you're coasting. Then now we're both growing. Now we're both learning. Now we're both so what did it do to me? It broke me, but it unleashed the best possibilities of my life. Well, Here. what's interesting about what you just shared is so many people think they're being kind by not having the hard conversations. And she told you what she really felt. And in her sharing what she felt, it got your attention in a way that your attention hadn't been captured before. And she wasn't saying the things to hurt you because I've seen people say things to try to get attention, but they're just being mean. She was sharing how she felt that got your attention. And then from there, you decided to make a change. Had you been working on your leadership skills or had you just suppressed them? Like, where did it come from? I didn't understand any of that. Cause I never saw it. Even like, I've always been romantic, you know, open the car door, carry over a puddle. I always thought it was cute to be a gentleman. You know, I didn't learn that from anybody. I just maybe TV, you know? And so I'm certainly good with romance. I'm certainly good. Like I'm just natural. I used to, people pay me to help them with their plan, their engagements, things like that. When I owned the gym, girls would get their husbands to call me. Those kinds of things, I don't know where I got them, but when I was able to do it, leadership, I had no understanding. You know, my parents, for example, I would teach you do the work with your kids. You're teaching a leadership and you can do the work, even though it's their job, you can handle any job. Like there's all kinds of levels. I didn't learn any of this stuff. I had to go get books and courses and, and coaches and put it all together. And then I had to figure out how to make it work at home when your life is super strong, right? Most of you say super strong. That means she's in her masculine, right? And I had no idea, dude. I had no idea. So the best thing I could really say, if you, if you guys want to be a better leader, it's, it's really about being proud of who you are. Let me use the most easy example that pisses me off. Your wife uses sex as a weapon. No, she doesn't. No, she doesn't. Okay. If you use the word withholding, you're saying you just want to use her. Well, why would she want to be with you then? 
she's supposed to be available for you and serve you. Listen, there are all kinds of things that you're supposed to do long before that. Pick up a Bible, talk, read, read Solomon's the chapter. And if you don't believe in Jesus, then honestly, if you want the great stuff, you got to do the other stuff. Like, come on, give me a break. Now, forget withholding, punishment. You do something wrong, so she's not going to have sex with you. Let's break that down. You do everything right all day long. You're flirting, you're a great partner, you're a great dad. But, you know, you're just super fun with her. You're just, just doing it all right. Kids, do something. So you turn around and scream at her. And then your wife says, oh, honey, honey, whoa. And or she doesn't. Then it's already passed to the next step. We can bypass that step. And all of a sudden, she looks at you and you mumble something over your breath, passive aggressive, or defend yourself. Or, well, you have had the worst day and you're mean to her. Well, how she used the sex as a weapon, dude? You just turned her off, man. What the, like, I don't understand this. Now, I'm not saying it doesn't happen, but on a whole, it happens because you, you took the safety out of the hole. So, and I, I just learned how to be a leader by understanding simple things. I think they're so simple to explain that nobody else is taking the time to talk by applying it, figuring it out, understanding it. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Your use of the word safety has been really interesting. I heard from folks who've been in relationships for a long time that what women want more than anything is safety. And if they have safety, then many other things can show up that often benefit or desires of the masculine partner. What's maybe troubling though is I don't think most people know what safe is. That's good good point for men to understand because well you've probably heard this from your buddies, Jerome. Like, well of course she's safe. I don't hit her. Right? And of course she's safe. I make a lot of money. Right? Yeah. These are such a small fraction of what safety truly is. My wife would tell you straight up, and she did it on her podcast, actually. She said, I wish he would have hit me or choked me out so I could just be done. You know, it would be over. At least it'd be better of it you happening. Know? Yeah. Yeah. There's so many levels to safety that men don't realize, you know, men don't even realize sometimes. Well, I mean, I, just a comment like this. Well, I mean, I make the money. Right. What are you saying? She's got no security at all. Security is part of safety, right? And there's all this give to get that's happening in relationships. Women too, who can be nice guys, nice guys give to get covert contracts. Of course, there's nice girls. It's just that this doctor created in the 80s, the nice guy thinks. Now, nowadays, today it's called the sale, right? Mm -hmm. Listen, women need that safety. Men need that safety too, but men are supposed to protect. So keep her safe first. Because how many times are you sliding across the hoodie BMW to save her from kidnapping first man? It's not happening. So stop acting like a big manly man and understand that her heart needs to be safe, right? Then we can get somewhere. If she can't trust you, you're not making her safe. Like there's so many levels to this drill, you know? Yeah. And there's, also, so many things that often happen before they even show up to the relationship with you that happen that impact the relationship that you're in. And if they're not willing to do the work in order to work, to resolve, process those things, then I think you end up in a really tricky space or environment. It's always interesting to see somebody be triggered and you see a response that's not commensurate with whatever happened, right? It's like, 
that overreacting. You were talking about the gum earlier, like you were triggered and it wasn't like she didn't say it, it wasn't her intention, et cetera. So, you know, as we kind of wind this thing down, Kaz, like what I would really love is because you've talked about the course a couple of times or you've mentioned it. Like, how is there a progression? Is there a framework? Like, what should the listeners know about this process of going from on the brink of divorce to having a thriving relationship, which I think is a promise you offer to folks? It's pretty easy. So, well, I see that because like, we're together. So, peace, partnership, passion. You know, most guys are focused on, they're focused on the passion part because they feel validation. I'm physical touch. Can we just do that more? I know you love me. You know, I'm doing your love language. Forget passion. It's just stacked up. So peace, partnership, passion. And within each of those pillars, you know, you have a manning power, which is you're your true power. If you're taking responsibility for you, the only person you can control, which means we stop doing things that create the divide between our wife. That's why it's in the peace pillar. And next would be the man with impact. And that is a man who he makes an impact. He lets his wife feel, doesn't have to puke his needs all over her. We'll get our needs met if we learn to give and get her feeling safe again, right? In partnership, there's a decision-making process that men are skewed because of how we're taught to be met. So I teach that as a man in control, things like core values and why you're making poor decisions. You know, what do you do when she won't follow your lead? You know, how are you going to respond versus react? And then we get into, you know, being a husband and being a father. And then the last thing is passion. There's passion for you. There's passion for her. Can we bring all the passion back? And if you're doing all of this all the time and you stack these skills, that's why I say it's easy. It's just learn to replace the bad habits with the right skills. You know? You make it sound so simple. I think it is, but I've taken so many courses and I see what's missing, what didn't work. You know, I've worked with women for decades and I wish I would have applied this sooner, but 15 to 19 women in a group class for two decades, I was the only guy training for most of it. And so I talked to a lot of moms, a lot of moms. I'd want Rob if he, you know, I would, would not be fighting with Chris if he would do, I just didn't apply it. And then I started to think about it back when I was reading, started with books and I took courses, I hired coaches, just like I did with business. So I was like, why don't I try this? With, and I just saw what was missing. And so and now 3,100 guys, almost 3,200 in 21 months. The fourth version of my course I released in January this year where it's like, this is everything. Now it's perfect. Now it's just so easy for me, you know? So. So it's not just theory. It's practice. It's experimentation, getting the results, iterating. To get to the place yeah. where you're condensing time frames and getting the results that people truly desire. Yeah. If you think about it, just like business masterminds, we talked earlier about the a very important first step. Forget working with me or, or other men like me. Very important first step is to surround yourself with good men who walk the same thing, right? So that means nobody that's going to pull you away, tell you you're going to fail, tell you that she's a bitch, tell you that things are, you know, you're okay. It's, you know, we want only people that are moving in the same direction as you right now. And preferably that's a man that you can talk to at least one. But here's why, because that practice that you just pulled out of my, my little rant there, practice, you can't do it from the inside looking out as easily as you can 
outside looking in. So if you're with those like-minded men and you're trying things and you're like, Jerome, Jerome, that was perfect. You responded really well, except for you kind of reacted in defense first, right? That reflection you can take back to yourself at. Mm -hmm. So that practice is actually tenfold because you're working on, especially if you have 10 guys, if you're in my group, there's hundreds of guys. Then all of a sudden it's like, you've got all these situations and you'll realize not that they don't care about your story, not that you shouldn't care about your story. It's the same symptoms, same treatments. They're just different than what you know. That's all. Man, I love this. It fits so well in our framework, the red pill. You know, we start off with self-image and that's accountability with self and relationship with self. And once you're able to live and own in that space, then you're in a position where you can start leading others because you're leading yourself. And so level two is relationships. And Kaz, I, I think you just articulated so well, but this whole framework of peace partnership, and then the last one being passion, it, it's like those things are necessary. They're precursors. I, I see so many people trying to get to money, but they don't, they haven't figured out self-image relationship and work and even their health. And they think, oh, well, I can just skip the steps. And skipping the steps is the fastest way to make sure that you trip. <laughs> and it gets ugly when you trip, when you're skipping steps and you're on your way up to the top. So, you know, kind of as we wrap this up, the big question I'd love for you to answer for the listeners is just, you know, we've been through about an hour. What's the one thing they should take away from this episode? Honestly, love her through it. The biggest thing that we've done as men is question whether we're allowed to feel or not feel. Oh, there is a time and place, but right now, if you want to rebuild peace in your home, like if you want to have her give you that respect you crave, that adoration that you crave, you, you got to love her through it. Whatever it is, you talked about triggers earlier. Like there is a gap between the stimulus and the response. You choose what you want to do. Understand she's probably triggered and then help her put the gun down, man. It's a trigger. And you probably raised a lot more of those flags than you're taking ownership for. Whether or not she had the baggage or not. So if you're taking one thing away from understand you loved her with that baggage. You probably made that baggage heavier. So help her put it down, man. Stop protecting yourself. You know? The one thing that's been so consistent is if you're defending yourself, you can't love others or protect others. And then the other thing that goes hand in hand with that is it's on you to set the tone and lead. That's it. And if you are listening and you're like, damn, listen, you can use a boundary if you have to, because you will have to protect yourself. If your wife is abusive, if your wife, and it doesn't have to be physical, she can be yelling at you too, you know? You might get to a stage where it's just, sure, let's just see everything's perfect, but we're not intimate. I wouldn't want to have a sexless marriage either if everything was, was good. But is it really good? Make sure you're not defending yourself before you use that boundary. At some point, you might have to, but almost always we can go a little further. Remember, if you're committed to I've tried everything, it means you're not committed to finding an answer. Focus on what you can not what you can. Everybody's good at what they can. So you want to be incredible. Focus on what you can. How can the listeners find out more about you and what you got going on? Moro, like tomorrow, moralmarriage.com or Moral Marriage on all social media as well. Love it. To the listeners, your dreams should be real. We'll talk to you on the next episode. Thank you for joining the tribe today. 
We would love to hear from you. Please don't forget to rate, like, and share. Perhaps someone you know could benefit from what we've discussed. Until the next time, remember that your dreams should be real.